Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. On the second day, second Sunday of Lent, the lectionary steers us back to the book of Genesis. Genesis is a, a popular and well-known book. Everybody knows that the, the, the good book starts with the book of Genesis. That's the first one there. Our, our ladies' Bible study uh, that happens on Monday nights um, has been going through the book of Genesis. Um, and I haven't been a part of that. I don't qualify to participate with that group. Um, but I've heard good things. I've heard good reports about the, the journey and the study through the book of Genesis. Um, today we're in chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to uh, Genesis chapter 15. Or if you have devices that you uh, read scripture on, you can point them uh, in that direction. Um, today, reading from Genesis chapter 15, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 12. And we're going to skip a few verses down to verse 17 and 18 following that. Um, For those who are willing and able, uh, I invite you out of reverence for the reading of God's word to stand as we read from Genesis chapter 15 this morning. After these events, the Lord's word came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your protector. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you possibly give me since I still have no children? The head of my household is Eliezer, a man from Damascus. He continued, since you haven't given me any children, the head of my household will be my heir. The Lord's word came to him, came immediately to him. This man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be your very own biological child. Then he brought Abram outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if you think you can count them. He continued, this is how many children you will have. Abram trusted the Lord, and the Lord recognized Abram's high moral character. He said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram said, Lord God, how do I know that I will actually possess it? He said, bring me a three-year-old female calf, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a dove, and a young pigeon. He took all of these animals, split them in half, and laid the halves facing each other, but he didn't split the birds. When vultures swooped down on the carcasses, Abram waved them off. After the sunset, Abram slept deeply. A terrifying and deep darkness settled over him. And skipping down to verse 17, after the sun had set and darkness had had deepened, a smoking vessel with a fiery flame passed between the split open animals. That day, the Lord cut a covenant with Abram. To your descendants, I give this land from Egypt's river to the great Euphrates. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. 
All right, I'm going to ask a, to start off today, ask a hypothetical question. I don't want you to look at your neighbor. That's a, that's a hint. Uh, did, you, did you ever have that person in your life that was just kind of unreliable? Again, don't look at your neighbor right now. Don't look at the person you're sitting by. by. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, you had, maybe you've had somebody in your life that was that way. Maybe it was a friend or, or a coworker. Maybe it's a classmate or a, or a family member. But, but when they volunteer to do the job... You kind of tense up, <laughs> you kind of you can wince, um, maybe hide how you feel a little bit because you have a feeling that you know what's what's about to happen and, and the result isn't going to be isn't going to be good. Group projects in school for me were the worst. Did you ever have group projects in school? Um, it, it's so beneficial and so healthy to be forced into these to these situations, and it's very good. It's it's a it's a learning opportunity. But I hated it. I just did not like it. I was always paired with one or two folks that I, I just weren't all that interested in the whole grade thing. Like it just didn't matter to them. You know, C's get degrees. Um, and that, that wasn't my approach in, in school, right? Like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, getting, I didn't want to just get by. Um, I, w- I would rather do all the work. Just, uh, I'll be my own group. Don't, don't, I don't, don't, nobody else has to come with me. I'll just do all the work. Uh, that was my, that was my approach. Um, I think I had trust issues. I'm not sure. Um, but, but maybe we've all been there. Maybe we've all encountered situations like this. We've faced those situations where, where somebody's letting us down. For some of us, not being that person <laughs> drives us and motivates us. Like, I'm not going to be the person that lets the group down. And, and, and that that's really motivating, um, motivating for us, motivating like nothing else. I don't want to be the person that lets somebody else down. If you're familiar with strength finders, you have that strength of responsibility, and if you've been given a task, you're going to get that job done. That's the problem in this text that we read today from Genesis. Somebody's letting someone down in this text, and who is it? It's God. (laughs) It's God. God's the one not coming through for Abram so much. Abram's like, Come on, God. What's going on? And to understand this story in its fullness, to get, a, to get a picture of where we land in chapter 15, we have to go all the way back to chapter 12. In, in chapter 12, Abram had been promised by God that he would become a great nation, that his name would be respected. He says, you will be a blessing to the world to all the world. And, and for those in the world who, who, who bless you, they will be blessed. And for those in the world who curse you, they will be cursed. But since that point, early on in chapter 12, and you go back and read it later, later this week, since that point, Abraham's, or Abram's story hadn't quite gone exactly as planned. <laughs> hadn't 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 gone through the way that he had expected. He had gone, gone to Egypt. And while he was there, he was concerned for his wife. And so he, they kind of pretended that Sarai wasn't his wife. And that kind of gets Pharaoh angry and mad. And so he's expelled from that nation. He and his nephew, whose name is Lot, separate because the land can't support both of their families. They're, 
It, their families were too big, and so they had to go in separate directions. In chapter 13, we, we get this uh, another promise that comes to Abram. It says, your descendants will be like the bits of dust upon the earth. I've never been to the Middle East, <laughs> but I imagine there's lots of little bits of dust. And Abram, Abram when, he, when he heard that promise, was like, wow, I can't even imagine. Well, back to the more unexpected parts of Abram's journey. Lot gets, Lot gets captured and taken. Abram has to go with his, his squad and, and go rescue his nephew Lot. Brings him back and brings the bounty back. That's chapter 14. And we arrive in chapter 15. And I want you to consider this. This is the first time that we hear Abram talk to God. The words that we read. These are the first words recorded of Abram addressing God. <laughs> Lord God, what can you possibly give me since I still have no children? <laughs> That's not, oh Lord, you're beautiful. That's not, uh, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. It's not a happy worship song. It's not like David in, in the Psalms. It's not some majestic or happy worship song. It's more like, hello? You still there, God? What's going on? What's happening? Remember me? Remember me, the one I, I was settled. I was happy. You called me down here. You said these amazing things might happen. I'm still here, and not much is going on. What? What happened? If this were a group project, God is the one who goes dark. He just ghosts the group, right? Doesn't show up to group sessions with Abraham to fulfill the promises that he had made. This accusation from Abram is, is fascinating to me. I, sometimes I think we, we're much too nice sometimes toward God, or our nice worship music and our, and our gracious prayers. I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, a little facetiously, but I also say that seriously. I believe that God can handle our angry moments too. Abram was mad. Abram was disappointed. Abram said, God, you told me these things, and they have not happened. I think God can handle our angry moments, our frustrated moments, our exhausted moments, our depressed moments, our struggling moments, our confusion and our doubt. The church needs to do a better job of handling those things, I think. Sometimes in, in the past and sometimes in the present, we've done more harm sometimes than good when someone in our midst is angry and confused and doubting. For God is big enough to handle those doubts, amen? God's big enough to handle our anger even when Abram was like, what is going on? I moved a long ways. You told me to. What is going on? God handled those moments. Because, because Abram had no heir, it meant this guy managing his household would probably take over. Probably take over. And, and in Abram's mind, what I see is, is what, I, what I sometimes call is a mindset of scarcity. That 
well, I guess we've run out of options. I guess this is how it's going to go. This guy who's taking over my house and running my household, I guess, I, I, I guess there's no other route, God. I've, I've figured out what you're going to do. This is, the only, this is the only solution. guess Eleazar is going to run my household. And God reminds him, don't you remember the bits of dust and the sands of the earth? Let me give you another reminder. Go outside and look up into the sky, and I have a little job for you. Just count the stars. Just count the stars. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to put a picture on the slide. Not yet, um, but a few years ago, uh, they launched into orbit a, a big hunk of metal called the Hubble Telescope, right? For the Hubble Telescope. Um, and they did this project, and they took a, a portion of the sky that was completely black, completely back, black, and they pointed the Hubble telescope at that point in the sky, or in the cosmos, I guess, when you're orbiting the Earth, where's the sky? I'm not sure. Um, but it was completely black. And, and they said, let's just focus on this one point. So um, the image that they rendered required 800 exposures taken over the course of 400 Hubble orbits around the Earth. So the the telescope goes around the Earth 400 times, and each time it's orbiting the Earth, and, and there's this black portion of sky. They took two exposures. The total amount of exposure time was 11.3 days, taken from September 24th to January 16th. So this was a long project, okay? Um, but I want to show you the, the picture that, that they came up with. This was a black portion of sky. And when I read this picture, or when I read this story about Abram going up into the, out into the night sky and looking for the stars, these were the stars that he couldn't see. This was a black portion of the night sky, each one of those dots representing another galaxy, light years and light years away. And I just think Abram had no idea of the extravagance of God. Abram had no idea in this frustrated moment, in this moment where he says, God, you're running out of time. I'm getting kind of old. It's not going to work for me. I've got this figured out. I've got Eleazar. And God said, you have no idea. You have no idea. And at the end of that time, uh, it says that Abram believed. Recognized as character, recognized as a person of high moral character. In another translation, it said, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. After the dust comment, it says, Abram got up and went. After Lot had separated from him in chapter 13, it says, he went and settled in the land of Canaan. And it says, he settled by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron. But nothing about belief. After God had said, you will be like the dust of the sands, it said nothing about belief. But in this moment where he went outside and looked to the night sky and saw all the stars, I don't know if he attempted to count. How ridiculous would that be? It's like some of those tasks you give your children, like, it's not going to work. But maybe he looked to the night sky and began to see the vastness and the extravagance of God in that moment. And it says that Abram believed. That this landed differently somehow for Abram. And it's noticed. 
the funny thing is, in the next chapter, <laughs> we kind of get the, the rest of the story is found in chapter 16. Abram and Sarai kind of take matters into their own hands. Sarai offers her servant to her husband, and she conceives, and then there's all this drama. But I think sometimes in Abram's life and in our lives, we take this view of God that is focused on scarcity, that's worried about running out. And God has a different picture. God has a different view in mind. Back in our passage after this, uh, after this passage of, of going and looking to the night sky, there's this abrupt transition. God goes from focusing on the descendants of Abram to a discussion about land. Here again, Abram kind of talks back <laughs> to God a little bit. Oh yeah, how do I know? How do I know this is all going to pass? How do I know that this, this land is going to be the land in which my ancestors settle? Again, Abram's bold. <laughs> he's, he's a bold character. Genesis now has two statements, two prayers, two conversations in which it's recorded that Abram speaks to God. How can I grow into a great nation without kids? And how do I know this is going to really be the land that my descendants inhabit. <laughs> and this may just be me, but I almost hear a bit of parent fatigue in God's response. That's probably heresy. I don't know. But has this ever happened to you as a parent? Like you send your child on a task, on an errand, because you just need the space. You probably, you've probably never done that. You're probably much too holy. Um, but, but for me, uh, maybe it only happens for me. I'll own that one. But I, but I hear that in God. He's like, go, go get these animals. <laughs> go, go get a calf, a goat, a ram, a dove, a pigeon. Just let me breathe for a moment. We're, we, we need this space at this time. And so Abram goes. Goes, goes beyond the request. And, and, and even though God has said, just go get these animals, Abram goes beyond that request. And, and he, he starts a ritual where he splits the three larger animals in half and lays them out. And several commentators talk about how this is a, a traditional covenant practice. Two parties would, would split animals in two and walk between those animals making covenantal promises with one another. And the implication of the split animals is this, that if I don't honor this covenant, if I don't fulfill the terms of this covenant, may I be split in two like these animals. If I fail on my end of the covenant, may I be split in two like this animal. But I want to ask a question today. What is a covenant? What is a covenant? A covenant is always two parties agreeing together, agreeing on, on, a, on, a, on an agreed path or a, a mutual exchange. I remember my wedding day. I remember my wedding day. I, I, I made vows. I said my vows, and, and Lynn said her vows. I I made my promises, and, and she made hers. We exchanged rings. It was, it was mutual. It was a two-way thing. The reality and the, the beauty of this whole passage is, is God is the mover. 
God is the promiser in this passage. God is, is represented by the, the smoking vessel and the, and the fiery flame that moves between the split animals. God is the one who moves between the pieces. It doesn't say anything about Abraham or Abram. I keep saying that. Abram was a spectator. Abram watched this happen. The, the narrator leaves Abram motionless. Abraham, Abram sits there. And it was God represented by the smoking pot, smoking vessel and the fiery flame who moves between the split pieces. I think covenant could be an, an overstated description. This says that this is known as the great Abrahamic covenant, that Abraham, Abram would become Abraham and, and would develop into this great nation and come into the land promised all the way back when he left his homeland, three chapters earlier in chapter 12. He had, for he had come to Canaan, and it even says covenant in the text that we read. And yet what I see is God being the first to step, God being the one to promise, God being the one to move between the pieces. And here again, <laughs> it doesn't all happen in a straight line. Uh, it, it doesn't, it's not an easy journey. It's not simple. The verses that we skipped uh, in, the, in the passage talk about the long journey ahead. That the descendants of Abram wouldn't have a straight line, wouldn't stay and settle in this land from now until forever. He talks about his people becoming immigrants. He talks about his people becoming slaves, being oppressed. But God also talks about a return. And as we reflect on this story, I'm led to recall another time when, when God made the move toward us. When God walked with us in our point of need and, and at the point which we needed God the most, God was the one to move. There's a time in Scripture where something else was split in two. You remember at the moment of Christ's crucifixion, at the moment of his death, Matthew records the, the temple curtain. That curtain, that heavy curtain that separated the holies of holies, the place in which God resided in the temple, was split into the barrier between people. And God was split. And God walked towards us again. And God said, let there be no barrier. Let there be no division. For the barrier between you and I has been split in two. And God walked toward us again. What a great picture to remember in the season of Lent as we walk towards Calvary, as we walk toward the passion of Christ together as church family, what a beautiful thing to be reminded that we serve a God who doesn't wait, who doesn't stay back there, who stays distant, who stays protected and, and at a far-off distance, but walks towards us, who comes towards us when we need him most. As we close today, I'm going to ask the praise team to come on back up as we'll 
close our service with a, a final song. I'm, I'm not sure where you find yourself today. We all come with different stories as we walk through those doors. We gather in this place. I share some thoughts from Scripture. And I hope and pray that God meets you where you're at. But today I don't know where you're coming from. Today maybe you're a lot like Abram maybe hurting and confused. It seems like the promises of God have not manifested in your life, have not come about, for life is hard. The struggle is difficult and real. Season, this season of life may have beat you up a bit, and you're not sure where, you're, where you stand. It, it hasn't been an easy season for many people around the world, and certainly is getting more complicated Maybe you need to go out on a clear night and look up at the stars and see that God is not a God of scarcity. God's not run out of promise, not run out of blessing, not run out of initiative to tell you, you're my child. You are my child, and today I see you. I'm walking with you. I'm there for you today. Abram was confused about the timing. He didn't see the whole picture. Certainly hadn't figured it out, even by the end of this passage. But maybe today you need to be reminded that we don't serve a God of scarcity, but a God of abundance. A God who created all of this, all of the, all of the galaxies, the whole universe. When I see the abundance of God, the struggles that I go through are brought into perspective just a bit. Or maybe today you walk in kind of unsure about this whole God thing. How does it all, all work? What is required of me today? The reminder we see in the text today is that God walks towards us. That God makes the first move. That God has offered to us His grace his salvation, and done the work of reconciliation, our part is we admit, we confess our sin. The text says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and restore us. Believe like Abram that Christ is Lord, that, that God in Christ has sacrificed himself for us and to receive that gift today, that promise. Today could be the day that someone says, I recognize that God moved first, and I accept that today. I accept that gift. I need that, as we all do. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing, and then we'll close. Lord, today we, we stand amazed at who you are and how, how this text reveals reveals you to us. I'm reminded today, God, that sometimes I do feel a little bit like Abram, like, what is going on? And I struggle with confusion and anger and doubt sometimes. And yeah, I'm, I'm the preacher. <laughs> 
Lord, today for those that are experiencing those moments, that the struggle in those moments. May you find a way for us to view you through a lens of your abundance and not scarcity. May you, may you be with us. May you walk with us, God. And help us see that. Or maybe, Lord, today we needed to be reminded that you're a God that walks towards us first, that you make the first move, that you're the initial mover, that our covenant with you is based more on what you have already done for us than anything we could ever do. But we just have to admit we've walked our own way, lived life our own way, and to receive the gift that you extend and offer to us. Lord, today, may you speak to the hearts of those that hear these words. And may we, like Abram, receive that and believe that, understand what you have for us in our walk with you. Lord, we thank you for this moment to worship you. Would you be with us? Speak to our hearts. Speak in our lives, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. What a reminder of God's faithfulness to us and to Abram, but not only to Abram, right here with us. As we walk towards Calvary and Holy Week this Lent, may we be reminded of God's incredible graciousness in our lives. As I offer a benediction prayer, I invite you to stand this morning to receive that benediction, all those who are willing um, and able. And just invite you to extend your hands as a physical reminder that we receive uh, this benediction today. All glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all we could ask or imagine by his power, which is at work within us. Glory to him and the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, from Abram to now, all generations and beyond, forever and always. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.